Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, You on Blog Talk Radio. Mind, Body, Spirit, You is a collaboration between five inspirational and unique women who have joined together with the intent to assist you in making your life the very best it can be. You can find us at www.mindbodyspiritu.com. There are many live shows and podcasts offered each month, and all are available in the free archives under the Mind, Body, Spirit, You tab at Blog Talk Radio. Our shows cover a variety of topics, healing, spirituality, health and wellness, metaphysical concepts, and scientific discoveries. Many of our shows allow time for you to call in and ask for assistance on your journey of transformation and discovery. We are all aware of the quickly changing perspectives about our minds, our bodies, our spirits, and our world. And that is exactly what we are here to discuss. So please, join us in the spiral of life, and together we will learn, grow, and transform. Here's the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Holistic Health Hour with me, Professional Life Strategies Coach, Aleka Thorvalson. I am really glad to be here and looking forward to this show. This show, as you know, is a unique and inspiring one where we look at our lives in a whole new way, tuning into our health, our wellness, and happiness from a mind, body, spirit, and soul perspective. And it is my intention to create a new kind of dialogue about our health, about our bodies, about our relationships, and about our lives, empowering transformation and change from the inside out. Yes, welcome to the third part of the three-part series on intuition. Um, If you have missed the first two segments, you can certainly go and listen to them if you'd like. In the first part, we, um, I defined what intuition was and talked about different types of intuition. In the second part, I went deeper into the, the concept of intuition and discussed logic and intuition and the difference between the two and how we can begin to differentiate between them um, and is one more beneficial than the other. So that was part two. In this part of the series, I am going to discuss blocks and how we can clear them and how we can better access our intuition. So that's on the agenda for the today. Before I get into the show, though, I need to just make a couple announcements. Um, I, I, I have to say that if, if you haven't heard the gift of anger, otherwise known as Mars retrograde cycle show, you should check that out. It really has struck a chord with people. Um, with all of you listeners out there. I really appreciate the feedback that I've gotten. I have gotten more feedback on that show than I think any other show that I've done. So I I thank you. Thank you for the feedback. It's been really good feedback. 
Um, there's been some great questions, but most of you have pretty much said thank you for saying this right now because I really needed it. And to be honest with you, so did I. <laughs> so it's it's been really good for me to be able to um, do that show because I've been able to really utilize some of what came through in my own life in a major way because we are, we are in it now. Um, if you're not feeling it, that's good. That's lucky. I think a lot of us right now are feeling a higher intensity. So the show itself was all about anger and our relationship to it. It was all about that the concept that anger, like all emotion, holds incredible wisdom for us, yet it is one of the most misunderstood and shamed emotions. And the show talked about why that was and what happens when we disconnect from this vital life force and how we can really claim it back. So in that podcast, I took a, a closer look at the concept of anger and will and its relationship to authenticity, individuality, and living an inspired life. So take a listen. I think um, you'll find it really relevant to probably what's happening in your own life. And as always, you can find any of our archive shows on Mind, Body, Spirit, You. That's the letter U at Blog Talk Radio. Just go ahead and go to Blog Talk Radio, go to Mind, Body, Spirit, You, go to the archive shows. All of those are there. Um, I will also say that I have links via my website, um, and you can find me there as well if you want to contact me directly, www.alekasky.com, that's A-L-E-K-A-S-K-Y.com. And if you want to do like listen to all the archived shows that I've done, you can go to the Media and Resource button or tab on the top of my website. And there's a ton of um, shows that I've done. So thank you again for all the feedback. And I appreciate any more that you have. As always, if you have show ideas, if you have questions, if you want to be a guest on the show, um, I love that. I probably will be doing some more um, guests. I think I have some some in the works. But I've just had so much that I've wanted to talk about, <laughs> as you can tell, because there's more podcasts than there has been. So... Um, yeah, so you can always find me um, through my website or My Body Spirit You, and just send me an email. Or find me on Facebook, or you can find me on Twitter. Aloha Healing Arts is my business name, so you can find, find me under, on those media sources um, under my business name. Okay, and I do have to announce this as well because I noticed this the last time I was putting this the podcast up. While I love doing live shows, and I will, I'll be doing more live shows. Right now this really works for me because I'm able to um, record these at, at, at good times, really early in the morning typically, <laughs> or, or later on in the afternoon after I'm done seeing clients all day. So... Um, I can record them at, at times that work for me, and then I can just go ahead and put them out via the airwaves. So this is a recorded podcast. So I won't be taking any live callers this evening um, when you hear this. I wanted to announce that because I've noticed that the last two times I've done the, I put the show up that there have been callers, which, which is awesome. And I'm, I would love to be able to take calls here soon, and maybe we'll, we'll do a live show. But I'm just not here to take your calls today. So there you go. Um, okay, so let's 
go deeper into the, the topic of, of this, this third segment of our intuition series, which is going to be about blocks. And we, just to reiterate just a bit from the first two parts of the series, we know that intuition is a sense that's present in all of us that really gives us valid and important information about our inner world. It's that inner, um, it's that inner guidance system. So it, it is, intuition is this part of our divine or inner guidance system. And it is present really with the intent to aid us in this life that we're on, right, in this life journey. Yet what happens when this sense is blocked? And, and can it be blocked? And how does that happen? And what does that look like? And if so, how do we remove the blocks so we can better access this really important part um, of our psyche and ourselves? So these are the questions that we are going to tackle today and I'm going to answer. And to begin, I just want to, to say that there are many, many reasons for blocks you know, to our intuition. And I, I also want to add that you can absolutely be blocked in one area of your life, but not in another. You may be stellar in the financial department, but not so good in the relationship one, right? Or vice versa. You may be really good at one aspect of your life, but in another area, that's where your challenge spot is, or challenge spots are, in my case more than one. <laughs> so one way to locate where you might be blocked to your intuition is to pay attention to where you have actual issues in your life because you may actually be missing out on some important wisdom there. So where you feel stuck, where you feel confused, where you need validation from others, that's an important one, that's a place that you may have um, blocked areas you know, or may have blocked your intuition to those spaces. Either hearing it or trusting it. And that's important because those, there's, there's two kind of aspects to working through these blocks. One, hearing it, and two, trusting it and taking action. And, and so we, we want to um, differentiate between the two of those. So if you can kind of take a moment and, and think about this. Is there an area of your life where you feel a bit disconnected or confused? That might be an area that you want to keep in the sort of the forefront of your mind tonight so we can apply some of these, the, the tools that you're going to be learning or information to see if there might be an intuitive block there. So you may want to go a little bit deeper into that area. And we're, I think I'll go further with that concept a little later on. But for now, let's, let's look at some of the more specific blocks to intuition. Now, a few of these I have touched on previously a bit in the series, but I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit so I can go a little bit more in depth with them. So the first block, I think, um, is that Typically, we are not conditioned to develop intuition just as the, the way that our society is, is sort of the consensual um, agreements as far as conditioning goes. We are a culture that really does rely heavily on logic 
and on reason rather than intuition. We are often asked, you know, and we're often, often taught to think about decision-making in terms of what we should, air quotes, right, right, air quotes, should do or say rather than what we feel might be right for us. In fact, I think we can even go so far as that we are often taught to invalidate our intuition with logic. So we may get a, an intuitive hit, but because we, are, we doubt that part of us, we, we use logic to circumvent that and sort of turn down the volume of it. And the issue with that, or the problem, and I've, I think I've mentioned this previously, but I'll reiterate it, is that our life purpose you know, our, our feelings, inspiration, creativity, love, all that stuff that none of us can figure out logically. Um, that can't be, as I said, it can't be figured out logically. So those questions, those big life areas, needs intuition to be able to flow freely. And all life purpose, feelings, inspiration, creativity, love, and intuition is not a logical process. So... To find, to find insight into those places, we have to access our intuition. So being dis, disengaged from that, being blocked in that regard, we can often feel blocked in those areas that intuition most helps us. And an example of that um, is sort of the way in which we condition, um, are conditioned or, or how we've, we've learned to deal with people that are strangers or, or the messages that we give children around strangers. I think that it's great and it's super important to give logical criteria, right, of what we, we think might be dangerous. There's no problem with that. But I think if we don't highlight that we have this inner wisdom called our survival intuition, which I talked about, I believe, in the first part, that we really have an inner sense that can tell us when someone is dangerous and when they're not. I'm remembering that book, The Gift of Fear, now, again, um, because it really talks about this, that so many women and men, you know, anyone that's been violated or attacked in some way, um, really has said, you know, I, I had a sense that something was up and I didn't listen to it. It happens more often than we think. So with, if we teach kids, right, and we, we, this is what we do when we, we're young is we're just these sponges and we, we bring in all of this information and create our, our way of being around it, that when we, when we forget to offer that important wisdom that, hey, you have your logical sense and so you want to pay attention to your surroundings and who might be, you know, un, not, you might not be able to trust somebody or dangerous, but I want you to feel it too. Know that you can trust them. And even someone that seems logically okay to trust, if you get a bad vibe or you get a bad feeling, trust it. I'd rather you err on the side of caution. So it's an important, important um, example, I think, about the way that we're not exactly taught to, to trust it. Additionally, if, if you were raised or grew up in an environment where feelings were discounted somewhat, then you might have blocks to your intuition as well. Because intuition really is a feeling sense. It's, it's sort of like this inner sense, very much more like feelings than logic. So if you grew up 
not accessing it, then you don't have access to it. And if you grew up not trusting it, then you won't trust it. It's just sort of how we, how we grow and how we're conditioned to be, and that becomes pretty habitual after, after a lot of repetition. So if you grew up in an environment where your intuition was belittled or discounted, then you may have habitually learned to discount it as well. And I'm going to go deeper into what that might look like a little. I have a better example later in the show. But that's an important one, you know, because sometimes, at least for me, I was highly intuitive growing up, and I knew things and would say things and would, would, often, get, um, would often get belittled or teased for it. And it, it was really tough to, to work or discounted, like that's not going to happen. And then it did, you know. Um, so if you grew up in an environment where your intuition was, was either one, discounted, belittled, or you just didn't have feelings, then you've probably continued with that cycle. So an example that I can give around that is, and I work a lot with parents and, and families, and, and one of the things that you know, I, I've seen so often is that you know, parents, and, and they're well-meaning in this for sure, is they don't want their children to recognize that they're angry, you know, that their parents are arguing or something's going on. So when the child who knows that something's up says, hey, are you upset or are you, you know, mad with dad or are you having a bad day? They're often told, oh, it's nothing, it's fine, you know, or no, we're fine, you know, we're, we're good. And I get it. It's not, it's not that they're trying to... Um, to necessarily keep their, their feelings from them. They're actually trying to, to protect them in some way by not having them need to, to take care of them. I mean, I get it. Um, most of the time that's where it's coming from, I would say. But the child intuitively knows that their mom or dad is, is angry or scared or frustrated. And so parents, when they discount it, they can actually send a message to the, the, young, the young person that they can't trust their intuition, that they must be wrong. So it, it, it can inadvertently teach that child to invalidate or not trust their own knowing or intuition. So I think it's much more helpful to be honest and acknowledge that their intuition was indeed correct. You know, we don't need to tell our kids everything or, or create um, boundary, you know, violations where now they're taking care of us. That's not what I'm saying here. But we, we want to tell them that they're correct and that we're dealing with it you know, um, and that we appreciate them checking in or whatever else, you know, along those lines. So important to validate the knowings that um, we recognize in our children. I'll give you one more example because this is one that um, is kind of close to my heart because I do a lot of work with um, addictions and food addictions is very, very specifically because it's pretty rampant out there. But this is another area where I have to say that we have completely invalidated our intuition with logic. That it, this is an area of life where we rationalize much of our own inner wisdom right out of the picture. You know, you can really track that in your own um, psyche. That we are often not, we, we get to a place, especially with all the diet thinking and the, the the um, pervasive diet culture that we have, that we lose contact with that part of us that says, what do I feel like eating? What am I hungry for? It all gets very confusing. And we learn to think about what we, quote, unquote, should or should not eat rather than what our inner guidance system is telling us. 
There, there are so many. There's a plethora, oh my gosh, right, of diets. I once tried to figure out how many there were because I was doing a talk um, on diets and eating issues. Um, and I honestly couldn't figure that out. I looked everywhere. So if you have that stat, send it along. I'd love to know how many diets are there out there. All I know is that there's like so many we can't count. But anyway, there's so many rules, right? Food combining. You can't eat this food with that food. And it changes, right? And so high protein, no protein, high carb, low carb, um, lots of fat, no fat, good foods, bad foods. It's endless. It's crazy. And we find ourselves eating what we should and completely bypassing our inner wisdom, which, or intuition, which is, I think is a huge problem with why we have such an issue with weight. Because while there is no perfect diet out there for everyone, there is one for you. There is a way that you are called to eat, and that's probably going to change, and it's going to change according to seasons and, and the way, in, you know, the life circumstances, circumstances that you're going through. So I think that this is really an important example as well. So you want to ask yourself, how do you make decisions? Do you access this part of you? Do you go with your gut, so to speak? Do you feel into your decisions, or do you typically lead with what you should do first? What comes first when you're making decisions? Now, ultimately, a balance is what's really important. You know, we talked about that in the last segment when we talked about logic and intuition because we kind of need both. But I think on, on major decisions, I tend to defer to intuition first. I think that um, because the big decisions in my life are the ones that my logic usually can't answer very well. So intuitive, what do I know? What do I feel? What feels right? Try that, you know, and ask yourself, how do you do it? How do you make decisions? Yeah, good questions. Okay, moving on. That was one block, right? Another block that's really common um, to accessing and trusting our intuition can be pain or trauma or, or um, what you've, your history in some way, your difficult history. Let's, let's start with the big one. Let's start with trauma. Right, trauma, that's sort of like, that's, that's big. Trauma is an intense reaction. And um, it, it can be difficult to define. There are many forms of trauma. There are different definitions and variations in the severity of trauma. Simply put here, because I could do an entire show on trauma, and maybe I should, but trauma is an emotional response to a, a, a difficult or terrible event that cannot be fully processed and integrated at the time of the event. That's important to recognize. So there's this, there's this inability to process. Trauma can be, I mean, boy, it can be sudden, it can be horrific, it can be you know, long-standing, it can be overt, covert, sexual, physical, mental. There's all kinds of things, you know, even um, disasters, you know, natural disasters, surgery, when, when a, um, at, in a very difficult time can be um, traumatic. So there's so many different kinds of trauma. But the, the common thread is it's not able to be dealt with at the time for a number of reasons. Right? We can't, our, our, our capacity of our conscious mind cannot make sense. There's no file for whatever has happened. So we sort of put it somewhere else. We learn to push the memories or the feelings that are attached to the memories down as a way of coping. So in essence, we go numb. 
and we go numb because it's necessary. I want to say that, that when we, when we do what we do with these kinds of things, with trauma specifically, we do it because we're here to survive, and it's a wonderful coping strategy. So let's take no, no judgment there, you know, and offer a much, much compassion for the way in which our body has the ability to, to stay safe. And ways that we numb can vary. We, we pick up numbing behaviors. We can disassociate, meaning we can separate from it. We can use addictions to distract ourselves. Gossip is another way we distract, right? Projection is a way that we, we distract from actually owning what's going on. Blame, putting it out there so we don't feel the pain that we have hidden or experienced. Now, what's important about that is that all of those behaviors really set up a block or a barrier to intuition. Why? 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 Because we cannot numb indiscriminately. And if you're a client of mine, you've heard that numerous times. (laughs) I say that a lot. Um, When we numb our pain, we numb our, our joy, and we also numb our intuition. Because intuition is related to feelings. It's a feeling sense. So when we turn down our when we turn down our feelings, right? When we numb our pain, then we turn down the volume on our whole lives. And it's important to recognize that. We may do everything we can to not feel those feelings, and we push that pain deeper trying to ignore it. And so we 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 lose ourselves in some way. It's as if we we split and we leave, we leave a part of ourselves behind, and we leave out our a connection to this intuitive sense. So, you know, we might use strategies of defense, like codependency or con- control or manipulation. You know, we may feel inadequate, so we hustle for validation. So we could, we could finally feel that we do exist. Yeah, and that's important to recognize that, you know, additionally, with trauma, um, with trauma wounding, mm, trust, right? Trust often gets diminished. And that's, a, that's the second part. So the first part of, of dealing with um, this particular block is we can't access it. The second part is we, we lose trust. We can't trust it. So we, get, we kind of have a double whammy with this one. We cannot trust others. We cannot trust life. And ultimately, we feel like we cannot trust our own sense of safety and worth. And trust is so necessary for intuition, as we know. So trauma or, or um, pain or, or difficult past, you know, that might be holding you back in some way, can actually really block um, our access to our intuition. Okay, so we know trauma has the inability, um, or I'm sorry, the innate ability to block intuition, for sure. But even our regular conditioning, which isn't typically as severe as as trauma experiences, can create limiting beliefs and fear that can block it as well. So we, you know, the truth is, I think on both of these takes that um, whether we're talking about trauma or just sort of the, the, you know, regular, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, the regular limiting beliefs that we acquire growing up, um, all that, you know, that stuff around self-worth and validation, um, all of that. So the truth on, on both parts is that we, to access intuition, we must be present to what is 
and not what has been. And what's true about both of those um, ex examples, either trauma or just our, our limiting beliefs, is that they tend to keep us in the past. You know, so to access intuition, we really do need to be open to this, this sense of new, new potential. We have to be open to new experiences rather than these habitual feedback loops that we may be playing, right? And our belief system, which otherwise I like to call our BS, is the sum total of all the messages we got when we were growing up. It creates our story. Everything that you were taught, you know, gets into our mind on, on some level. Um, and there's parts of our, our selves that get edited out, and we, we create what's called a meme, you know, about this is the way life looks or this is the way life is. So it's like, it's like our operating system, you know, on our computer. If we have a Windows 7, you know, what operating system did you get? Because that creates the habitual responses of your mind and your ego right now. And if you can track it, this is, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating and, and painful. <laughs> and I find it curious, but, you know, I'm just sort of into that kind of stuff. Um, but these unquestioned and habitual and limiting beliefs are like tapes on continuous play or looping. And if they're not changed, then they really can block us from hearing anything new. So an intuitive thought might emerge. And we know from the past two segments that, you know, it could be a dream and just an intuitive hit, just this, um, a strong sense of needing to do something, an idea. And, you know, maybe we get a, hey, maybe it's time to change or leave or take a risk. But then the old tapes start to play, right? Nope. You're not good enough. That won't work. Um, you never do things right. What did yours say? You know, those are some of mine. These are really a reflection of these limiting beliefs blocking our, in, our ability to trust our intuition. And so in a very re real way, they are voices from the past running the show today. So to really clearly hear and access our intuition, it means we have to be present. So we have to become aware of the voices of limitation and then consciously do the work to undo any of those anchors that are keeping us stuck in the past. So this could be the, the old belief system that we begin to question and let go of. And it also could be, as I mentioned earlier, trauma or difficult or painful experiences. Anything that holds us in the past creating our present. And we know that all of those experiences do that. Um, and we, you know, we live this dynamic dance with this part of us that just wants to stay safe. It's not trying to, um, this, you know, these limiting beliefs. The intent is not to, to make us feel terrible. The intent really is to keep us safe and keep us connected to people, because that's what worked, right? In this family, we do this, and when you do this, then you're accepted, so you gotta edit these parts of you out, but this is, if you are this way, then you're okay. And there's all kinds of other stuff we do with that, and someday I'll, I'll do a deeper show on that. But how we, you know, our parents are sort of these, these godlike creatures for us, really, you know, and we look at them as if they are pretty amazing and awesome, and we don't have the capacity at that point to step outside ourselves, when, especially when we're younger, 
but it happens to me now too, <laughs> you know, to be able to say, this isn't about me, this is their stuff. You know, there's, there's, there's such an element of us wanting and needing that connection that we'll take that on, right? We'll take that on and then we own it. They're not flawed. There's something that must be wrong with us. So it can keep us very stuck and all of those things are blocks to really hearing our intuitive sense. Okay. Now that, that's another show. I should go deeper into, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the um, interesting and fascinating um, psychological ways in which those, those habitual tapes kind of get in our heads. But either way, they, they block intuition. So coping strategies to numb, um, coping strategies that we've formulated to connect with others, to be accepted, can create patterns where we lose touch with our intuition. What that looks like is we might even run our own sense of identity through others' filters before our own. You want to hear more about that? Listen to the Mars or the Mars Retrograde Anger show that I just did because I talk a lot about that and, and where assertiveness can help. But we do this, you know, with intuition. And rather than tapping into our own, we might actually run it through someone else's filter first. So in this way, we lose touch with our own voice of authenticity and we live from the outside in rather than the inside out. And in essence, we live in reaction to our environment. One of um, my favorite teachers, his name is Robert Ohato, he did a great um, teaching once, a seminar on who owns your chakras. And I find that really fascinating because this is where this concept comes alive. When we say, you know, am I tapping into my own insight or am I acting in response to another because I need connection right now? So my actions are not determined by my own will but someone else's. Am I really hearing my own intuition here? So this is an important piece to look at. If you, you know, if you grew up with parents that were addicts or abusive, then you likely lived in an environment that required you be on guard to the nuances of others around you to stay safe. And I've shared this in the past, but I remember this. You know, I remember being able to tap into the energy on my way home from school, walking home, to see, do I want to go home today? You know, what's going to happen? What do I need to defend? Where do I need to armor up? And, or is it a safe day? And I, I mean, tracking in into situations that were really violent and being able, you know, having to, what do I need to say right now? What does this person need to hear for me to get them to back off? So if you've had to constantly track the emotional states of people around you to stay safe, you might still have that habit. So this is an example where your intuition is no longer tuned into you first, but others. And that's an, like, track that one. Sit with that. That's tough, right? Man. Another name for that is codependency. Uh, because we're putting our will through another's first, and it absolutely blocks your personal intuition. So what shows up is that you may feel really unanchored in your own life, but quite plugged into others, which is fascinating because um, I think, as I, I think I said this previously, but all I think a lot of the intuitives I know, at least all the ones I know, um, have had some kind of experience growing up where they were conditioned to use their intuition as a survival strategy and then use it 
you know, use it later. But the question then becomes, are you able to track it in yourself? So this, this, this kind of experience about um, channeling yours through someone else's is especially present, as I said, in abuse or addiction. I, um, who was, I can't remember the name, shoot, of the teacher that I was in a conference with. Um, maybe it'll come to me, and if it does, I'll just, it'll just, I'll just shout it out. But someone that was talking about the chakra system, and she was saying that children in this kind of environment develop the system from the top down, so their intuition first, but without any grounding in their own knowing. So rather than, you know, the, uh, according to the way that, um, the chakra philosophy works, you healthy chakras are developed from the ground, the root, all the way up. And people that are imbalanced in this way might be developing them from the top down. Therefore, you know, that's that increased intuition. Being able to tap into other people is, is high, but yet being imbalanced and, and lacking trust and grounding in their own intuitive sense. I found that fascinating when I read that. It was such a great visual, and it really resonated with me. So sit with that and see how that feels for you, you know, as far as how you've been um, accessing your own intuition. Okay, moving on, block three. Another block to intuition is fear. And I I touched on this previously, but I want to spend a little more time with it. Um, Because... Often, intuition requires action that has us step out of our comfort zone and change something. It does. I mean, it, I, it's, it's hard in that way, and it's awesome in that way. But what if we get the intuitive hit that we need to change jobs or that our relationship needs to end or that we need to really confront that person, right? Set a boundary, make a life change. That, I mean, this is tough stuff, be assertive. This brings up tons of fear and insecurity. At least it does in most of us, right? How, do, how does that feel? You know, this change requires that we give up part of us that feels familiar. And to make a note here, maybe not healthy, but safe, but familiar. So then fear is a tactic used by, or or I guess fear in this way, worry fear, is a tactic used by your ego system, this part of us that wants us to stay safe, right? And it's, it's not necessarily trying to diminish us, as I said, but this fear says, hey, you can't do it. Don't, don't step out of your comfort zone. But in embracing our intuition often requires that we face this shadow, that we face the parts of us that are afraid, the parts that we don't like. We, to grow, we have to look at all these parts that we might have hidden. It might mean that we have to get real with ourselves. It might mean that we have to get real with another person. This is the road to authenticity. This is the road to transformation. This is the road to healing, which is why our intuition points us there. But it's scary because then now we venture into this territory of the unknown, Right? It's like the haunted house of our psyche. And I, I use that as a metaphor to describe how, you know that house on your block 
I don't know, growing up where, you know, it was kind of run down and the people living there were weird and there was all these stories about, you know, the, I don't know, you know, how, how kids are, they're axe murderers, they eat children, who knows, right? They're, just, they're these horrible people, don't get near them. And then we, the more we say it, the more we, we add to the story of it, the, the scarier and more grandiose it, it becomes. But then we, you know, hit our ball over the fence and we end up having to go back there. And they're totally cool people. And, and they're, they're not at all scary. And that's sort of like what we find when we can go into those parts of ourselves and we can go into our fear. That, and I think that's why we're sort of having to be forced down there because we don't actually want to go into those scary places. We really can find the buried treasure of ourselves. This is where we find change. And I, I know I've done a show on that, The Shadow and Integration. That was another show. You can hear more on that. But fear is absolutely a block to intuition. Now, I have to say this. Not the survival kind of fear. That's different. I'm, the fear I'm talking about is this, this sort of inability to act when you know you feel like you need to. That kind of fear. Or worry. Um, or the tapes that keep us stuck using fear as a tactic. Very different than that clear survival intuition where you get it in an instant and you know what you need to do, right? And you just act. That's, that's a little bit different. So, again, sort of related to that, those old programming and tapes, but I wanted to, to um, highlight that. So then it brings us to the place of how do we un unblock the block? So say you, you're listening and you found some blocks and you go, yeah, I'm doing that. That's me. That's me. Right? Um, can we learn to embrace our intuition in the areas that we feel stuck? Is that possible? I think so, and I think it's a super important practice to access this wisdom, especially in the places we feel stuck. So the first step in undoing, unlocking the blocks is awareness. And isn't that always the case? I think I, I, I find myself saying that um, I have many tools and, and strategies when I work with clients, and awareness always seems to be number one. So here we are again with awareness. Um, what does that mean? That means becoming this observer or witness self. So we can begin to watch what's happening. We can begin to put some space between um, stimulus, right, what happens, and our response what, how we're going to um, act. So one of the ways that we can become aware is to start noticing, just becoming an observer. Look at me having this thought. Wow, I had that thought. I hear my, you know, this part of my head. I hear that voice in my head. I mean, have you ever paid attention to the, the difference between what this voice of our conditioning or ego, right, sounds like, and the voice of intuition. What does your inner critic sound like? Because that's going to be the sort of voice of conditioning. Have you been able to locate that? What does it tell you? And then what does your intuition sound like? Think about times when you've listened to your intuition or really heard it. What did it sound like? And we spoke about, we, we, we talked about this in previous segments, I know, what intuition might sound like, um, you know, in the previous segments. So the inner critic is very different. It, it, is, it is more of a voice of limitation. It's, it's habitual, so you've heard it before. And it tends to use judgment, shame, and criticism 
as ways of motivation, right? It's that, that not very good life coach inside your head. Um, and it keeps us in familiar territory. Remember, the goal to keep us safe, but in essence, it keeps us stuck. And the inner critic's power is not truth, really, but repetition. It just, it's habitual. It keeps going. It keeps going. And then it creates these, you know, it etches out these neural pathways in our psyche where it's just on automatic pilot. And if you take a listen to your inner chatter to, to, and really hear what it's saying, um, I don't think I've done a show on the inner critic. I should, I should do that. But anyway, if you, if you, I get all these show ideas when I'm doing shows. It's crazy. But if you take a listen to what it sounds like, you're going to find, you know, just how loud it is. And it might be difficult in the beginning to even hear what your intuition sounds like. In contrast, then, your intuition seeks change. It seeks growth. It seeks evolution. It doesn't use um, shame and judgment and criticism. It will use discernment and honesty and accountability, right? But it, it doesn't make the story about how bad you are because this is what's happening. So it's important to recognize the difference between the two. Um, our lives really are a dance between these two energies, isn't it? This, this part that wants to keep us safe and, and, and sort of in our, our, our patterns of, um, of habitual comfort zone. And then this, this part of us that says, grow, change, seek, seek, get out of your comfort zone. So it's, it's tough. You know, it's sometimes tough to differentiate between the two. But please know, and I'm going to reiterate it, that the voice of intuition is one of accountability and truth, but it doesn't use chastisement or judgment. It could be more symbolic or visual and maybe not as loud, and it might be more of a feeling. It kind of depends on how you um, hear it. It's, it's different for everyone. Just as, you know, our, our feeling senses, we can be more kinesthetic or more auditory, Again, I think I've mentioned this in the last um, segment, but I'll say it here. So can we feel that way, you know, it, with our intuition? We may hear more. Um, we may feel more. We may get a vision. This might be our way of understanding. So just as you start to lean into this part of your psyche and find it and, and turn up the volume on it, pay attention to how you get messages, okay? So the first step in a, is awareness. And, and that is to begin to notice the difference between the voice of the ego and the voice of intuition. So you can begin to consciously choose which one to listen to. Yeah. Now, to get, to get in that moment, it's important that we have to get still, you know, because when we're in our habitual tapes, we're not able to do it. It's, it's the moment we say, hey, I'm going to take a moment out and I'm going to watch myself having these thoughts. That's really what that present moment awareness kind of is. So getting still is important. Yeah. And that's another one. Awareness is, is like the number one thing on, on all tools, and so is getting still because they go hand in hand, right? Getting into that moment, that present moment. So our, our, that's where our intuition can really only be heard there because if we're in those habitual tapes, sometimes it can be heard. I mean, it, it sort of just pops in there, boom. But we actually have to listen to it. And sometimes we can get so consumed with our um, sort of the hab habitual nature of our thinking that we have a hard time hearing it. Okay. So 
the, the whole intent is to do that because then we get into that beautiful space, I mentioned this earlier, between stimulus and response, right? That's the present. Something has happened and now we're gonna, we're gonna choose a reaction, right? We're gonna choose a response. So that is the only point of change. And when we can carve out some space there, then we can take new action. That's where our intuition gets put into action. So beginning to differentiate between the voice of the ego and the voice of intuition creates that space so we can have conscious opportunity to choose change. Yeah. Now, I think another way to do this is becoming the witness is becoming curious. I want to mention that. Fear and curiosity cannot coexist. So can we just say, this is what's happening I'm noticing this. Can we just become curious to our thoughts? That can actually help us get more present and get more aware. Okay. Another practice is when you start hearing, right, the voice of intuition, um, start acting on it. Little things like asking yourself, what do I want to eat for breakfast? What do I want to wear? What route should I take to work? Kind of little things. See if you can tap into your intuition first. So in your daily life, Check, check in, and then keep practicing and keep practicing and pre- keep practicing. If you have an afternoon where you got nothing to do, um, and you, what, what should I do? Meaning that sense of not should logical mind, but what should does my intuition want me to do? Where should I go? If you have a problem that you need a solution for, see if you can hear your intuition first. And if we act on it with the small things, we can build that trust up to begin to trust it for the bigger things. Another thing I want to say around that is we can undo intuitive blocks by clearing, healing, integrating those stuck areas. So if you've experienced trauma, you know, or pain or difficult childhood um, experiences that are somehow keeping you stuck, the fear and the limiting beliefs, if, you know, there's a way in which you're called to release those or work through those, that can really help. Um, inner child work, counseling, meditation, coaching, certainly, um, energy work. Whatever resonates with you to pull your energy from the past, release those anchors of the past into present time, can really help release any blocks to accessing your intuition. Because survival will take precedence over that intuitive sense all the time. Fear wins. Right? Our psyche is, is meant, or our biological system, you know, our psyche in, in relation to our biology is, is meant to listen to our fear in that way. It shuts it down. So, for example, you know, you have change, this, this, this intuitive hit to change. If you're afraid and you're not able to consciously work with that and you go habitual, Right, which, which so happens uh, it, that that limbic system gets involved when we have trauma or any kind of deep, deep wounding or scarring, and it just takes over. And now we're on automatic pilot, right? So beginning to learn to trust and hear and then trust intuition can, can really, um, you know, be embraced by working through the trauma and letting and healing and becoming more present by letting go of those past ties. So I would suggest that, you know, maybe finding someone to work with if if they're pretty significant in your life is a really great idea. Yeah, it's a really great idea. 
Um, I truly believe you can heal trauma, by the way, um, and and all that stuff, you know, that holds us back. It's um, um, it's a beautiful thing to to watch that dance. And sometimes we need a lot of support when we do that. It's important that we feel safe and that we have, um, you know, teachers around us that support us in that way. So if you need some help with that, please please ask. Please ask for help. And now, amazing thing happens when we begin to trust and heal, right, and claim our own sense of worthiness. When we do that with this kind of work that I was just explaining, when we heal, we can then trust our intuition more. Our intuition really is an extension of our own intrinsic and divine value. It really is. You know, if we're, we're out of touch with our sense of value and worth, then we don't take ourselves very seriously. We don't trust it. So it's important to, to do whatever work that we need to do to create that sense of worth so we can really learn to harness, listen, and then act upon this guidance system that we're gifted with. You know, another note that I want to say, um, because this happens to me sometimes, is that when you start developing your intuition, and as you start working on it, you, begin, you may begin to notice that you're more sensitive. You may have sort of physical sensations. You, you may, and I've heard of this happening. Um, for me, it's, it's very somatic, like it's in my body, my eyes. I remember this, this was such an interesting story. Um, I, was develop, I was in a space where I was really, well, I was doing a lot of inner work. And then when, it's amazing how when you do inner work and your sense of value increases and there's a sense of healing um, that happens, you know, it can really just open up this other part of you where you just trust yourself and trust your intuition. And so I, was going, I think we go, I, I, I should not make this on anyone else. I should make this about me. Uh, but I've seen this in my clients as well. And that is, you know, I, I seem to hit like growth plateau, growth plateau, growth plateau. And I was in one of these growth phases, and I was noticing that my eyes were in, like, it, I had nothing wrong with them. I went to so many doctors to figure out, like, why are my eyes itchy? They were red. They were, they were, um, Scratchy, almost as if I had allergies, but I'd never had allergies before. And there, I couldn't figure out if I was allergic to anything. But they weren't like allergy eyes. It was very strange because I was getting weird vision disturbances. And it felt just like, you know how when you walk out into the sun and your eyes are kind of like you have to adjust? That's how it felt for about two weeks, three weeks. Um, it felt like that. And I, I kind of I went into my intuition and I thought, you know, what is this? And I do this work with people, right? I'm, I always get... Um, I always get referred by, you know, all my physician or um, counseling friends, people that have these interesting or strange physical diagnosis that actually symptoms that have no diagnosis. So I did my own work on myself, and what I got was, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more attuned to something. There's, there's sort of an integration happening um, where my intuition is just getting sharper in that regard. So... It was interesting. It, it went away, and sure enough, I mean, it really did. It shifted something. That was a pretty significant changing point in my career where I started doing work um, with more um, medical-type stuff. So it's kind of interesting, yeah, how that works. So think about that. If you've, so if you're developing your intuition and you notice interesting things happen, like all of a sudden you, you can't have dairy or, you know, I just I can't have wheat or gluten, and you're, you're um Sensitivity, your digestion becomes sensitive or you develop allergies or you become more emotional or you become more sensitive to light or noise. 
So it's almost like when we remove some of the blocks to these, this deeper feeling sense, we sort of get a higher sensation of, of um, feelings. So you can become more sensitive to, to stuff. So I want to just tell you that sort of as a, as a um, not necessarily a warning, but just as information that as you do this work, you can really, you know, just, just pay attention to what's happening. I know that a lot of that is, is, is really normal and that it, it'll pass as you integrate, you know, as you integrate this, this sense. So um, let me ask, I just want to leave today. It's been a great series. I hope that was helpful. Those just wanted to kind of, you know, blocks and then what we can do to clear them, just give you a little bit of information. Of course, if you want more information, if you want to learn more about this and how this works for you personally, you can always contact me. I do plenty. Um, my, my practice is pretty full, but I do tend to have phone, my, all my inpatient or my in, um, I'm sorry, my in, in my office sessions are, are pretty stacked these days. Um, but I do have more phone sessions available, and I do work with phone or Skype. And I, you can meet with me in person if you live in Charleston. That said, if you want to do more work, contact me um, or any of the teachers here at Mind, Body, Spirit, You. I just want to leave you with a few questions to ponder as you um, – sort of work through this concept and relate it to your own life. Can you recall times when you trusted your intuition? What happened? Do you ever have those times when you can say, you know what, I really trusted my gut and this is what happened? Can you recall times when you didn't, when you perhaps invalidated it in some way, maybe with logic? What happened then? And how might your life change if you listened to your voice of intuition rather than a voice of fear or limitation or habit? What might shift or change in your life if you were able to integrate this part of yourself fully? Good questions. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to three whole parts of um, on this topic of intuition. As always, if you have questions, if you have feedback, um, if you have anything that you'd like to share, reach out. You know, you can find me um, on my website on Mind Body Spirit U. And I really look forward to talking about the um, or doing the next podcast. I have so many different topics coming up that I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, but I'm sure you'll be hearing from me soon. So until then, take care.